Hello and welcome to the Future History of Newburgh, a series of short stories about a peculiar town, on a peculiar planet, where science and magic mingle in an effort to save the worlds. How are you? I hope you're finding peace and fulfillment in your days. In the last episode, we took a real vacation to the island of Teipotu. In this episode, we're going to the desert to investigate strange lights. I hope you enjoy Season 3, Episode 7, Bart's Beacon. Liza Jimenez glided her index finger along the glowing blue words of her comm screen. What is the ratio of VO over Vmax when S is 5km? Liza read the question out loud. Trevor didn't know. This biochem study session he inspired was both a horrible and a wonderful idea. It gave him some alone time with Liza without Blaine hanging around. But he was as prepared now for their biochem test as he was when he walked into her house that afternoon. Honestly, he didn't think he had learned anything since he found out that she sat behind him in class. It was impossible to concentrate when she was around. The two of them had multiple comm screens open over the oval-shaped mahogany table in the Jimenez dining room. That way, they could look at their digital textbooks and study materials at the same time. So... Number 17 is 5 over 6, right? Liza asked. Trevor glanced up at the screen with the practice test on it, shocked that they had advanced to question number 17 already. All he had been able to focus on during their study session was the tropical scent of Liza's shampoo. Every now and then, he managed to say, mm-hmm, whenever she asked him a question. He looked around, noticing the sun had begun to set and the mouth-watering aroma of cooking pork and spices began to waft from the kitchen. Liza's dad, Dr. Eric Jimenez, walked into the dining room, waving a hand through the blue light of the projected comm screens. Time to clear up for dinner, Liz, he said. Then he looked at Trevor. Trevor straightened and scooted a little farther away from Liza. Hi, Dr. Jimenez, he said trying to play down the squeak in his voice. Trevor, you're still here. Trevor froze, unsure of what to say, but managed a smile. Should he not still be there? Should he leave now? He didn't want to leave. Dr. Jimenez sighed and said, You might as well stay for dinner. Oh, that'd be nice, Trevor eked out, but Dr. Jimenez had already gone back into the kitchen. He's freaking out. I've never had a boy over, Liza said, deadpan. Trevor met her eyes, her beautiful, electric blue eyes, and froze again. Not because of the color of her false lenses, but because Liza was looking at him. She smiled and looked away, and Trevor could suddenly breathe again. I hope you like carnitas, she said, as she began closing her projected screens. The last comm screen had been blocking Trevor's view of a large plant in the bay window behind it. Hey, is that a Venus flytrap? He asked Liza, walking over and peering closer at the plant. It had taco-shaped leaves with toothy thorns protruding from their edges. Yeah, that's Serena. <laughs> you name your plants? Trevor chuckled. 
She's kind of our pet. Dad really likes plants. Her mouth is closed, so she must be digesting a fly in there. Dr. Jimenez returned with an apron wrapped around his waist and three dishes balanced on his arm. One, a platter of chunked meat. The next, a dish of finely crumbled cheese. And finally, a domed dish from which Trevor could smell tortillas. Liza left and brought back a bowl of salsa and four plates, setting one in front of each chair. Trevor sat down, only after Dr. Jimenez did. Liza's little sister, Gabby, appeared from the hallway. Trevor noticed she wasn't using her cane. Apparently, she had memorized the layout of the house already. The little girl sat down in her chair and sniffed. Trevor, still here? She said as her nose wrinkled. Yep, Dr. Jimenez affirmed before taking a large bite of his meat-filled tortilla. Trevor took a few bites of pork, chewing self-consciously in the oppressive silence of the dining room. No vegetables for dinner? he asked nervously, trying to make conversation. Not here, Liza answered. My mom's always got, like, a salad or boiled carrots or something on the table. Trevor stuffed a folded tortilla in his mouth, but stopped chewing mid-bite. Dr. Jimenez had fixed a seething glare on him. He then closed his eyes and shook his head in disgust. Boiled? Carrots, he stated, pinching the bridge of his nose. Uh, not that I miss them, Trevor added, trying to take back whatever offense he had caused. Like I said, Dad really likes plants, Liza began to explain. Fruit and grains are one thing, Dr. Jimenez said, aggressively wiping his hands on a napkin. Those are parts of the plant that are meant to fall off. As long as you spread the seeds back to the earth, you know, it's tolerable. But taking a whole plant out of the ground? Boiling it alive? He pushed his plate away from him. We don't eat anything without a face here, Gabby said. That's right, Gabby. We eat what eats the plants. Uh, Trevor uttered, unsure of what to say. He was feeling a bit like the fly caught in Serena's thorned mouth. We're starting to study bioluminescence in our biochem class. Liza said. Grateful that she had changed the conversation, Trevor shoved the rest of the tortilla in his mouth, filling it up so he wouldn't be tempted to talk again. Is that right? You know a lot of plants make their own light. Algaes, mushrooms. I'm sure everyone here knows that much about bioluminescence, Liza said, spooning more salsa over her carnitas. Have you heard about those lights they've been seeing down south of Lower Newburgh? In... Dr. Jimenez snapped, trying to trigger his memory. Bartholomew's Barons. Yeah, people are calling them Bart's Beacon. Strange green lights appearing and disappearing at random. Probably some kind of bioluminescence people haven't identified yet. Trevor raised his eyebrows to show interest, but didn't dare open his mouth again for risk of offending someone somehow. Of course, some of the gypsy sages are saying it's the ghost of a woman looking for her lost children at night, Dr. Jimenez said, amused. Like La Llorona? Liza asked with a hint of curiosity. Oh, please. I wasn't scared the first time you told me about the wailing woman, and I'm not going to be scared now, Gabby said, and licked a chunk of salsa from the corner of her mouth. You know, 
If it is bioluminescence, we could record it. If we got some data, we'd be way ahead for a group project next semester. We could go tonight since you're already here, Liza said, shrugging one shoulder. Trevor gulped the nothing he had in his mouth. A study trip at night with Liza? With no one else around? That's a great idea, Miha. I've never seen you so excited about school before. Dr. Jimenez gripped Liza's hand and smiled warmly. Liza stared down at her plate, as if she was pretending the fatherly affection wasn't happening. Dr. Jimenez glanced at Trevor, like he had just remembered he was there. Then he cleared his throat. <clears throat> that sounds like it would be fun for all you kids, doesn't it, Gabby? Trevor's amorous vision of snuggling close to Liza on a cold desert night fizzled into non-existence. Sure, I'd love to go listen to strange lights in the desert. Sounds like so much fun, Gabby uttered with a heaping portion of sarcasm. More fun than sitting in your room like you do every other night, right? Her dad asked. Hmm. Gabby made a non-committal noise in her throat as she reconsidered the idea. And that was how Trevor found himself with his arms around Liza's waist, gliding over the dunes of Bartholomew's Barrens on the back of Dr. Jimenez's hover rover, with Gabby's fists clutching the back of his jacket. She pressed her head against his back as the cold wind blew past them. He heard her mumble something into his coat. Your coat smells like What? He shouted back to her. I said your coat smells like stale coffee, she yelled. Sorry, I'm a barista. Sometimes you can't wash all the coffee shop smell away. The hover slowed, and Liza brought it to rest on the soft sand. This is the place, if Dad's coordinates were right. I guess we just hang out and see. We should have our comm rings ready to record. Liza said. With much fumbling of hands and apology, she and Trevor got off the hover at the same time. Gabby huffed and pulled the hood of her parka tighter around her face. Then she twisted her comm ring and put pods in her ears. Trevor noticed she was listening to a telenovela with several feisty-looking women and roguish men. Gabby giggled whenever someone was slapped. Since the little sister was actively entertained, maybe this was a good time to get close to Liza. I didn't picture Gabby as someone who liked soap operas, Trevor said, inching closer to Liza as they leaned against the hood of the hover. Liza pushed her hands deeper into her coat pockets. It was my mom's favorite show, so Gabby listens to it a lot. In the faint glow of Gabby's comm ring screen, Trevor could see Liza's stoic face as she stared out into the darkness over the dunes. He knew her mom had passed away before they had moved to Newburgh, but that's about all he knew. He took a hand out of his pocket, unsure of whether to wrap his arm around her or not. He didn't know what to say either. He may be annoyed that his mom made him eat a vegetable dinner every night, but he couldn't imagine her gone. Seeming to sense his internal struggle, Liza said, It's okay. No one knows what to say whenever I bring her up. I get it. I mean, I don't really know what to say either. 
do I pretend I'm not still sad about it and I can put on a brave smile at her memory? That feels weird. But I also don't want everyone to feel bad for me. I really don't know what to say then. So I just try not to bring her up. But but I kind of want to bring her up too because, you know, I want to talk about her. She's not here anymore, but she'll always be my mom. So she liked soap operas? Trevor asked. Liza blew a small laugh through her nose. Yes, so much. She was like addicted to them. It was ridiculous. She never started drama in real life, but she loved it on screen. Was she a scientist like your dad? No. She was a customer service representative at an internet company. She wanted to be a painter, but, you know, that didn't take off for her. Which is crazy because she was like really, really good at it. She painted a lot of still life. Lots of flowers. They were so beautiful and lifelike. You had to keep yourself from leaning in to smell them. It was amazing. She'd bring out all these colors of paint and you'd expect her to be painting a rainbow. But then you'd look at the canvas and she'd be painting like a white daisy or something. She'd use all those colors to put in the shadows and give it depth. She never took art classes or anything either. It's like she came even more alive when she painted, singing and dancing with her brush in the air, making a huge mess. Trevor had never heard her speak so much at once before. It was as if she came alive talking about her mom coming alive. Pressure on his arm made him realize their arms were touching. She was actually leaning against him. He tensed for a moment, but relaxed against her warmth. She stopped painting for a while after Gabby was born. I think she felt bad that she got so much joy out of something Gabby would never be able to understand without sight. But I don't think she could keep herself from it forever. It's not like Gabby cared or anything. We have one of her paintings above the mantel in the living room. Trevor followed Liza's gaze to the clouds racing on the wind past the stars. He hadn't noticed the painting. But then again, he didn't notice much of anything else when Liza was around. From behind them, still straddling the hover, Gabby took the pods out of her ears and sighed dramatically. <sighs> Are we done yet? It doesn't sound like you've made any groundbreaking discoveries for science, but I'm sure Dad will understand. Before Trevor could think of an excuse to stall their return home, a bright neon green light flashed next to the hover opposite from where he was standing with Liza. The light sparked and flared outward to form a large circle big enough to drive the hover through. Here was their mysterious desert light, but it was menacingly larger than Trevor expected and much too close for comfort. Liza gasped. <gasps> Gabby, to your left! She called out, and Gabby immediately responded, scrambling off the hover. But what Liza meant as a warning, Gabby had taken as a direction of safety. She had climbed off the hover and into the circle of glowing light. Without thinking, Trevor dove for the little girl's hand as she stumbled to the ground, but he was too late. 
the green light vanished as quickly as it had appeared. Trevor and Liza searched the ground where Gabby had fallen, but she was nowhere. She had disappeared along with the light. Gabby? Gabby? No, no, no! Liza cried out. Gabby! She screamed into the dark, but her only answer was the whistle of wind between the dunes. Gabby felt warmth on her bare face and hands as she tumbled over the side of the hover. She had expected to land on a cushion of sand, but instead her rear met hard, cold concrete. Immediately, she knew she wasn't in the barrens anymore. The air was warmer where she was, but only just. The winds sang through the desert dunes, but heavy machinery squeaked and grinded here in its place. Liza? She called out tentatively. Something about the place made her want to stay quiet. There was no answer, just a rhythmic clunking that drew closer and closer. Gabby scooted away from the sound until her back met something solid and she couldn't go any further. Something clutched her arm and pulled her to her feet. Who are you? She demanded, knowing instantly whoever had grabbed her wasn't her sister. Liza would never be so rough with her. There was no answer, but over her ragged breaths she heard rapid beeping, the sound of a computer processing. No barcode detected, a metallic voice announced as it turned her around and then around again. Liza! She called again. She didn't like the sound of panic in her voice. It sounded weak and helpless. Normally, she wasn't easily rattled, but in the short time she'd been on this planet, she had encountered a fire-breathing dragon, giant plant roots taking over the city, and now she was being manhandled by some kind of robot. Who knew what she would be up against next? Freaking out was probably logical at this point. A man's gruff voice came in answer to her cry. Someone with sandpaper hands yanked her comm ring off her left hand. Hey, who are you? Gabby asked, trying to sound tough, but failing. Then a woman's voice floated through the air. Gabriella Jimenez, 214 Crabapple Lane, the woman said in a saccharine sweet tone. Gabby felt her comm ring pushed back on her finger. What are we going to do with her? The man growled. Hmm, I'm not so sure she's any kind of danger to us, the woman said. Gabby's lungs were now full of the lady's aggressively powdery perfume. She felt the air move in front of her face, as if she was being fanned. They were testing her vision. She blew out a perturbed breath. <sighs> we're gonna send you home, okay, honey? There's nothing for you to worry about, the lady said. Before she could retort about not being worried in the slightest, she was hoisted into the air and then laid down onto a platform. But the platform moved. Panicked and disoriented, she struggled to get to her hands and knees, but the moving platform jostled her around too much. She mewled in alarm, but then felt a familiar warmth on her face again. Before she could understand what happened, the sounds of machinery were cut off completely. The platform no longer moved and was no longer a platform anymore. She felt a hardwood floor beneath her palms. Liza? 
She screamed as she scrambled to her feet. Someone came running, their footsteps thundering over the wood floor. She was wrapped in a familiar tight embrace. Her father was squishy in the middle and muscly in the arms. He smelled like tortillas and aftershave, and he felt like safety. What happened, Miha? What's going on? Her dad asked. Before Gabby could answer, two other sets of feet rushed through the house. Dad! Dad! Gabby's gone! She just disappeared in the desert! Gabby heard her sister sniffling. Gabby's right here, her dad said. Gabby felt herself being nudged forward and then heard a sob before her sister hugged her tighter than she'd ever been hugged before in her life. Where did you go? Liza asked. I was just... I don't know. I don't know what happened. Don't ever take me on any of your study dates ever again, Gabby ordered with a laugh. She tried to eradicate the worry in the room and her own fear with a stab of sarcastic humor. Her dad, Liza, and Trevor all tittered with nervous laughter and <laughs> fell into a back-and-forth series of questions and explanations. Thankfully, it was a conversation Gabby didn't need to fully participate in at the moment. She settled into her usual spot on the soft leather sofa and pulled a heavy blanket over her, nestling in its illusion of security. There were some explanations she couldn't provide. She didn't know where she had gone, but she never, ever wanted to go to that awful place again. That concludes Episode 7, Bart's Beacon. If you enjoyed this episode, I warmly invite you to leave a review. I know you can't see, but I'm fluttering my eyelashes anyway. And of course, you know about other ways to support the podcast. I'm sure by now you've memorized that if you go to the show notes, you can find links to places to donate or buy Newberg shirts and hoodies and mugs and or purchase a trilogy about twins turning 12 and taking trips through time to troll for a talisman. That was super nerdy. And of course, you also know that a portion of every dollar I get goes to St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. The Future History of Newburgh was written, narrated, and produced by R. Don Hutchinson. As always, thank you so much for listening and helping the story unfold. mahogany table and the Jimenez's in the Jimenez's in the Jimenez dining room on the back of Dr. Jimenez Dr. Jimenez's on the back of Dr. Jimenez's hover rubber what? <laughs> <laughs>